0: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snirdley, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: Welcome, my friends, Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to give us a ring, 800-848-9222. Of course... News brimming everywhere. There is news. Hard to say even where to start. I mean, we've got fanny news. I'm not going to do the fanny news right away. We have been uh, there. You, you can find stories all over the place, from both mainstream sources and from the alternative media, about the. the showdown yesterday between the Trump lawyers and the state representing Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade, I think, as I said yesterday when I watched the hearings, as much of it as I could, the defense in this case put on a very compelling case as to why Fannie and the entire prosecution actually should be removed. The judge says In that case, it's going to be about two weeks. Within two weeks, he hopes to have a decision. There are primaries today. Amazon Prime Washington Post. Trump looks for more wins as Idaho, Michigan, and Missouri holds GOP contests. Michigan is a mess. In Missouri and Idaho, Republican voters across the state will make their selection at party-run meetings called caucuses. In Michigan, GOP elected officials and other pre selected party members will vote at a statewide convention. Thirty nine of the state's fifty five delegates to the RNC convention will be awarded on those ballots. Blah blah blah. Looks like you don't have to go through much. It Trump is going to in these three, Trump will clean up. I saw a news story, I don't I didn't print it out that Nikki Haley may get a win uh, in the Washington, D.C. when that comes up. Outside of that, Nikki has some support, believe it or not. She got some support. I'm proud to endorse Governor Nikki Haley. That comes from Alaska's Senator Lisa Murkowski. Whoa, what a shock there. Lisa Murkowski doesn't want Trump. The, uh, of course, Donald Trump has correctly identified Lisa Murkowski as a rhino. He said in the past she's worse than a Democrat, and she 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 won her challenge anyway. Haley, of course Nikki Haley said that she is very glad to have the support of Lisa Murkowski. She was also asked, Nikki Haley on uh, was on the Meet the Depressed, if what she thought Donald Trump would do if he takes back the Oval Office. I don't know. I mean, you always want to think someone will, but I don't know in terms of whether he would abide by the Constitution. So Nikki Haley, <clears throat> who served under Donald Trump, is still doing all she can to sound like a Democrat in her opposition, because these are Democrat Party talking points. Lots of immigration news. We're going to get to some of that, too. But there is a poll today. This is back to the presidential outlook. Voters doubt Biden's leadership in favor of Trump. That's from the Times-Siena. Now, usually you see the Times-Siena poll, you're like, okay, this is not – it's not like a TIPP poll. It's not even like a Rasmussen poll where you can say, I think that usually, times Siena, you kind of, if you're a conservative, you kind of say, hmm, I don't know. So this has to be bad news if you are a supporter of President Biden. Biden is struggling to overcome doubts about his leadership inside his own party. You know, Bill Maher, who is – there's a story today. Again, I didn't print this one. I just read through it. He's urging Biden to lean into his age. Stop trying to – and stop battling against those who say he's old. Lean into it. Yeah, I'm old. But – and and the similar to the way that John McCain addressed his age. John McCain lost, by the way. With eight months left until the November election, Biden has 43% support, lags behind Donald Trump's 48% in a national survey of registered voters. I will just caution folks when looking at polls from registered voters, usually there is a difference between registered voters and likely voters quite often you get a more accurate view of what's going on if the poll is taken from likely voters rather than registered voters. Nonetheless, the New York Times reports, did I say this was from Amazon Prime, Washington but It's a New York Times poll, Times, you know, of course. <clears throat> Nonetheless, the poll offers an array of warning signs for the president about weaknesses within the Democrat coalition, especially, well, including among women, black, and Latino voters. <laughs> That's most of the coalition. The poll offers an array of warning signs about weaknesses within the Democrat coalition including among women, black and Latino-voted women, the the line is that Donald Trump has problems with women. What is this, that Joe Biden has a, a female problem? That may explain why uh, Dr. Joe Biden was out-sounding hysterical last night. In fact, I have that story coming up. Biden has marched through the early nominating states with only nominal opposition. That's because the Democrats kept all of his opponents off the ballot. Of course he had nominal opposition. They didn't allow anyone to run against him, these so-called protectors of democracy. But the polls show that Democrats remain deeply divided about the prospect of Mr. Biden, the 81-year-old chief executive, leading the party again. The guy could barely stand up. Princess Dive, who will be on with us later, sent me pictures in real time. I was on the air when Joe Biden was uh, making his journey to Texas, to the so-called border, even though he went to an area where there was sure to be no action. And... I'm looking at this thing while I'm on the air. Joe Biden could barely stand up. He was walking, and I'm not trying to mock him. This is, you know, look, when you see people uh, walking and it is clear that they're holding on to someone for support and it looks like the balance is off, it's tough to see. And this was tough to see. Joe Biden could barely stand up if a gust of wind came. I'm like again, I am not trying to mock or make fun of him. I think this is pathetic that Democrats have him out here like this. if a gust of if a strong gust of wind had come, it looked like he would be knocked down anyway, I mentioned Joe Biden. Let me get to that. First lady Joe Biden. They didn't include her mom, doctor Joe Biden. Remember, she's a doctor. First lady, doctor Joe Biden slammed former President Trump's treatment of women as she kicked off women's history. I didn't know it was women's history month. Yeah. When did that start? I think this month. Well, I know that, but when did they start celebrating Women's History Month? That's that's a good question. I'm going to look that up for you. Thank you. Nice, Tom. Women's History Month. There would be no history without, anyway. The First Lady launched Women for Biden. Mm. A campaign effort to mobilize women voters with remarks in the Atlanta area. She boasted about his accomplishments and efforts to protect reproductive health care, you know, which I think this is. You go to an area where you have, it is one of the highest areas of minority population in the country. More black people, that's what I'm saying, in Atlanta than almost anywhere in the country. Right? And what does she go down there and do? She starts talking about the genocide that happens in the womb. Because and Planned Parenthood, by the way, Planned Parenthood kind of admitted this. They had something in the last week or two where they talked about uh, that black women, minority women, would be hurt, are being hurt disproportionately by abortion bans. I said, well, black children are being saved disproportionately, but they're admitting what we have already known—that these Planned Parenthood centers are targeted in minority areas. In other words, let's kill the black kids. That's what this is about. That's what part of it is about. So, Jill Biden goes down to Atlanta, and and I just find, who writes this for these people? Now he's bragging about killing Roe v. Wade. Really? Do you really want to say that, Jill? Do you, killing Roe v. Wade? Roe v. Wade has been killing American children. Now he's bragging about killing Roe v. Wade. Just last night, he took credit again for enabling states like Georgia to pass cruel abortion bans, cruel abortion bans, that are taking away the right of women to make their own health care decisions. Let me fix this, because this is all wrong. Donald Trump is acknowledging that he helped put a Supreme Court in place that finally reversed the unconstitutional, immoral decision called Roe versus Wade. And he took credit for enabling states like Georgia to save more children and giving rights to human beings inside the womb. That's the way it should have been said. So Dr. Joe Biden continues, Donald Trump is a, is dangerous to women and to our families. Why, why does Joe Biden have a woman problem all of a sudden there, Dr. Jill? Please explain. Surprise results of a poll in California. I was stunned at this one, folks. If this bears out, this could be one of the, this could be, one of the election night points of joy in 2024, if this bears out. It's early yet. Former Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres star Steve Garvey is ahead of Representative Adam Schiff in California's nonpartisan Senate primary, a new poll shows. Garvey, a Republican, and 10-time MLB All-Star snagged 27% support in the Los Angeles Times-Berkeley IGS poll release Friday. Support for Schiff was measured at 25%. This is to fill the seat of the late that was held by the late Diane Feinstein. It is not her seat. Representative Katie Porter, who is just, she's a mean one, folks. And Barbara Lee, poor Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee's just got 8% support. Katie Porter has 9%. Katie Porter, the other day, someone asked her about the death that took place in Texas of the young student there. By the hands of an illegal alien, and her response was, "We can't change immigration policy because of one death." That's Katie Porter. That'll give you a window into who she is. Nineteen percent. I think she's also had uh, uh, she's also had kind of Sheila, Sheila Jackson Lee like problems with staff. You know, Sheila Jackson Lee notorious for staff turnover and staff saying that they have had issues with her leadership. I think Katie Porter, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be mistaken, I don't think so, has similar problems. In Oregon, hysterical. Oregon couldn't wait. To Everyone said at the time, guys, this is not a good idea. Guys, you want to slow this down, don't do this, only bad things will happen. But the progressives out there in Oregon did not listen. So they pretty much just said, okay, we're going to take away all prohibitions against drugs. Everything's legal. Go ahead and just, you want drugs, use your drugs. You want drugs, keep your drugs. You want drugs, get some more of your drugs. No matter what. It didn't work out well. Oregon lawmakers passed a bill to recriminalize possession of drugs weeks after their governor, Tina Kotek, declared a state of emergency over the fentanyl crisis in Portland. A bill recriminalizing the possession of small amounts of drugs was passed by the Oregon Legislature, Last, yesterday, last night, or yesterday. The bill reverses a key part of the state's drug decriminalization law, which was the first of its kind in the United States. We told these people, everyone said this is a bad idea. So, how is it, how does it turn out there? Oregon has seen a 190% increase in overdose deaths since the initial decriminalization bill went into effect in February 2021. Almost a 200% increase in overdoses. That's one thing. If you look to what has happened to the once great city of Portland, which looks like some town out of a movie with the homelessness and the It looks almost as bad as San Francisco. It has done nothing but destroy Portland and destroy other areas of the once great state of Oregon. So here they are, almost three years after they passed this nonsensical bill, oops, we made a boo-boo. Drug use, homelessness, rampant on the streets of Portland. The measure makes possession of small amounts of drugs such as heroin, metaphetamine, a misdemeanor, punishable by up to six months in jail. It enables police to confiscate the drugs, crack down on their use on sidewalks and in parks. Drug treatment is to be offered as an alternative to criminal penalties. These people couldn't tell them anything. They blew it. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. 1974. Since we were nine
2: or ten.
1: Terry Jacks.
2: We've climbed hills and trees.
1: Three weeks at number 1 kind of ABC. Skinned our hearts and skinned our knees Goodbye, my friend. it's hard to die. Seasons in the sun when all the birds are singing in the sky The English lyrics were written all by Rod McQueen WABC Talk Radio 77. Radio 77 Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza 800 848 WABC is the number to reach us We'll be right back. The, out of
0: the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, AKA Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
1: 1963, the Four Seasons have their third consecutive number one hit in the United States. Walk Like a Man goes to number one. I'll tell you what. You know what? I don't know if you, um, I don't know how you can be so brilliant and at the same time be not so smart. This guy, and I really like this guy. At least I like, some, I like his performances. I'm not a big movie person. I don't watch a lot of TV. Don't watch a lot of TV movies. But the movies that I've seen this guy in, I really like this guy's acting, and I did not watch Empire. Terrence Howard, always liked this guy. He seemed like a, you know, whatever. His green persona has always been pretty cool. Terrence Howard hit with a million-dollar judgment in a federal tax. He hasn't been paying his federal taxes. Between 2010 and 2019, he failed to pay... $578,000 $578,000 in taxes. Now on the hook because of fees and penalties for $900,000, almost a million bucks. 903115 bucks. He didn't defend himself in court. He, his position is that it's immoral. Immoral to levy taxes against the descendants of slaves. That's his position. Government shouldn't be charging descendants of slaves any taxes. How did this guy think this was going to end up? This is like, it's like the Wesley Snipes thing. Do you not, do you not, Terrence... Do you not follow what happened to Wesley when he tried this nonsense that he's not required to pay taxes? The government didn't agree with Wesley. And they sent him to the pokey. They said, Wes You know, yeah, you you made what was that big movie that Wesley Snipes was in the uh Uh Blade? Blade, right this is the next blade you see might be a, one of these little uh, blades these homemade blades that people are making in jail cuz that's where you're going Wes and they and it stopped his career cold his career hasn't been the same put him in jail that was the end of that and this guy Terence Terence how do you think this is going to end up do you think you're going to go to court find some nice little liberal who's going to say yeah, yeah, you know, it's right. It's immoral, immoral for the government to charge the descendants of slaves any taxes. So we're going to let that million bucks you owe the government. We're, I'm Just take a pass on that. No, Terrence, they're going to put you behind in jail if you don't cough up the money. And even if you do cough up the money, I'm saying I'm getting a text that he was good on Empire. Well, I didn't see Empire. His next empire might be as somebody's wife in, well, in, I don't know whether they allow that stuff to happen in federal pens or is that just local jails? But anyway, if this guy doesn't cough up this million dollars, it's, it's, this is, the future looks clear. He's going to be spending a lot of time. With a lot of time on his hands. All right, we have to talk immigration at some point. There is also, you know, maybe I should, I, I gotta ask Princess Di, because I know she was one of the first ones that brought this guy to my attention, Mark Robinson. If you don't know who Mark Robinson is. <laughs> Mark Robinson was a factory worker. Back in the day, this guy gave a speech that propelled him into politics. He is now the lieutenant governor in North Carolina. He's running for governor. You know you are on the hit list when the Washington Post gives you about what is the equivalent of 14 printed pages of coverage. Fourteen. The headline, offensive comments by North Carolina Republican stand out, even in Trump's party.
3: <laughs>
1: Mark Robinson is favored to win the Republican nomination for governor in a battleground state even as some see serious liabilities in November. He is for sure outspoken. And in all honesty there, he he has made a few remarks that I say, oh, he said that? I really wish he hadn't said that. One or two. Let's just go through the opening of this, and then we'll take a break. And then I may do more. Surrounded by fans at a Beachtown bar, Mark Robinson addressed his absent critics. Mark Robinson is not running to be governor to be a bully over anybody. That's what he says. He's not running for governor to be a bully over anybody. Left unmentioned, says the Amazon Prime Washington Post the deluge of offensive comments that made such a declaration necessary. There was the time he called school shooting survivors media prostitutes for advocating government control policies. The meme mocking a Harvey Weinstein accuser and the other meme mocking an actress for wearing whore dresses to protest sexual harassment the prediction that rising acceptance of homosexuality would lead to pedophilia, and the end of civilization as we know it, the talk of arresting transgender people for their bathroom choice, the use of anti-Semitic tropes, which he denies, the Facebook post calling Hillary Clinton a heifer, and Michelle Obama... A man. <laughs> Even in the Republican Party that under former President Donald Trump's leadership has often rewarded crude insults, baseless claims, and incendiary language, Robinson stands out among... <laughs> We gotta take a, we gotta take a break. (laughs) The fourth season, (laughs) we go from the four seasons last break to the four tops this break. Heavenly birthday, Lawrence Payton, one of the singers with the four tops. 1967, this one was huge. James Golden, Saturday morning radio extravaganza, 800-848-WABC. We're going to grab some calls. So if you want to queue up, now's your chance. 800-848-WABC.
3: Didn't I do the best I could, that? Oh, don't you
0: Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC.
1: Four tops. On WABC, four tops in, four tops out. Bumper to bumper, four tops. 800-848-WABC is the number to reach us. 14 print pages. This article in the Washington Post on Mark Robinson prints out the 14 pages. Yes, Lisa, it's time to have Mark Robinson on. I want to talk to him about this article. (laughs) You have other Republicans that are... <laughs> this guy and, and this is is this is fascinating. He's expected to win, okay? He's expected to advance to a November showdown against Democrat Attorney General Josh Stein, who has a much more measured tone. In other words, Josh is is the typical Republican kind of squish. He's much more measured tone. He doesn't say things that get people upset setting up a clash that echoes the choice between Trump and President Biden. To many Republicans, Robinson, 55, is a conservative Christian firebrand with a Trump-like appeal, a charismatic, brazen outsider who burst onto the political scene just a few years ago with a viral video. The others, he's a glaring liability in a battleground Race a battleground race where centrist voters are influential, and critics are alarmed at what he could do. He gets the top job. What is he? What's so alarming? What is he talking about doing? Is he's campaigning on the economy? He's campaigning on education. He's not campaigning on mission. And then you have the state treasurer, a Republican. He is history's latest example of someone who's trying to rise to power through hate. Really, Dale, Dale Falwell, who's waging a long shot campaign. In the state, a wealthy attorney, Bill Graham, jumped into the gubernatorial race believing that national Republicans would help sideline Robinson. And he felt betrayed when National Republicans didn't come in and support Mr. Wealthy against Mark Robinson. They just play the Mark Robinson top ten hit parade. They won't need to say a word. He says that's what the Democrat stati- strategy will be, just to play. Well, here's the question. If the voters elected him <laughs> lieutenant governor, what makes you think playing the same things it's going to be any different, have a different outcome this time. Supporters shrug off the reporting when Robinson's most outrageous comments as smear job and fake news. Oh. This guy worked in the factory, and he says what he thinks. Now, again, these comments about... And I've heard this comment. This is the one that, the only one that I, this, this, oh, there's another one that has them upset. This, this one. It's gonna, yeah. Ah, this one. This one. This one is. At a time when many Republicans in North Carolina believe that a bitter fight over transgender people's restrooms. Use had cost them the governorship. Robinson was defiant. So let me translate that. At a time when some squish Republicans in North Carolina thought fighting over transgender bathrooms had cost them the governorship, Robinson didn't back down. Responding to a transgender protester with a poster asking where they should go to a bathroom, he uploaded a picture of himself smiling with his own cardboard sign outside with the dog. That one, yeah, that's going to, that, that's going <laughs> to, that one. But this business, and I've heard this from other conservatives too, and it, 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 it annoys me. This business of Michelle Obama, she's a man. It's like, would you please just stop that? It's insu- it, it really is. It's alienating. It is alienating. Look, if you want to talk about Michelle Obama, go with her. the things that... <clears throat> there's another article today that Michelle Obama has always been interested in politics, and she is going to be... This is another one of these people that's caved in to Princess Di's view that Michelle Obama is going to be the one that replaces Joe Biden. But this business that Michelle Obama is a man to me, it's just way over the top. It's just just stop it. It's ugly. I don't like it. I can't stand it. I think it's disgraceful, actually. But I'm sure some people are going to chew me out over that, too. But I do. That's my reaction to it. The first time I heard it, told every and every time I hear it, I think it's disgraceful. We have people that have been waiting. I should take calls. Golden, aka Snurvy, it is Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza here. Let's go to Christine in Connecticut. Christine, how are you?
0: Hi, James. Good morning. Well, I saw a
4: story with uh, Letitia James sending a cease and desist a desist order to uh, Nassau County Bruce Blakeman over Mr. Blakeman's policy uh, to use Nassau County sports facilities. You must ban trans girls from girls' sports, which is a correct move. And um, I don't know why Letitia James, she's got to stick her um, neck out like this.
1: Well, Letitia James is, look, she's also trying to get involved in all sorts of Look, she wants power. She's not happy just being Attorney General. You look at all the moves she's making. She's suing one of the biggest beef producers in the world going on this climate change business. I hope that one goes up in flames. This business with Donald Trump, I hope one day that the courts find her accountable for this kangaroo court charade that was put on with Judge Engoron and her. Uh, but this move is right out of the Democrat playbook. She is suing to what she says, protect the rights of transgender girls to play sports. Not what Nassau County has stood up, and, and he's not backing down. In fact, Norm Laden covered that on at the top of the hour news, and I hope Norm covers it again in one of his other news uh, stories. They're not backing down in Nassau County. They're saying, no, we're not going to have this, and this is consistent with the law. This is about not discriminating, and what... The position they're taking in Nassau County is that allowing transgender uh, to play with girls is discriminatory toward biological women. So they're not backing down. And she's jumping into it. Obviously, she wants to run for something else. There was a report yesterday that we had about Letitia James' campaign spending all kind of money. And to me, it looks like it's worthy of being investigated. They've been spending money on trips to Puerto Rico. Is Leticia James running for uh, 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 AG of Puerto Rico? No. Somebody needs to be digging into this flagrant spending that's going on in her campaign to see whether it is in accordance to the law. But Leticia James is looking to elevate her profile. There are rumors, of course, that one of the reasons she wanted to take out Andrew Cuomo was that she wants to be governor herself, and she's using her position as AG as a stepping stone into New York's gubernatorial politics sooner or later. We shall see. But these moves that she's taking are not going, especially with Nassau County. They're standing up to her. The Nassau County executive is not bowing down. So this, Christine, should be an interesting one. Thank you for the call. We gotta take a break. James Golden at Case Nervous Saturday Morning. You wanna be on with us this morning? 800-848-WABC. Today, the one year anniversary of a very, very sad day in music history. Wayne Shorter passed away, and it's hard for me to believe that it has been one year since Wayne Shorter passed away. 89 years old, Wayne Shorter, an American musical icon, worked with Miles Davis, Weather Report. Wayne Shorter, 10 Grammy Awards, the Polar Music Prize. One of the visionary musicians of the last century. On WABC Talk Radio 77. 800-848-WABC Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza
3: Saturday morning radio
0: extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo
3: Snertley, on 77 WABC.
1: In 2003, on, Come on, baby. the singer-songwriter Come on, baby. Hank Ballard passed away. Now, he was the first one to record this song, The Twist. He wrote it. His record didn't sell. When Chubby Checker debuted his own version of the song on Dick Clark's Philadelphia TV show, it went up to number one. And it started a dance craze. That started not just with the twist. There was a and remember "Twisting Shout" by the Isley Brothers, "Twisting the Night Away," "Twisting the Night Away" by Sam Cooke. All of that came after Chubby Checker's "The Twist." Went up to number one, but the song was written by Hank Ballard. Heading back to the telephone. Oh, let me just let me just give you a headline and stuff. I'm I'm debating whether to do this. There's a story today that you should be alarmed in, but here's the problem. It deals with Social Security and deals with Medicaid. You want people's eyes to glaze over? Start talking about Social Security and Medicaid. But this story is beyond alarming. Both of these programs have been underfunded for ages. And both have been on a track. Let me just put it like this. If you tried to start this program, social security on your own as a private citizen and run it the way that it's being run, it wouldn't take long for the feds to come knocking at your door, haul you off to jail and charge you with creating a Ponzi scheme. Cause that's what this, that's the way this program is run. It's a Ponzi scheme. Here's the story today comes out of the Daily Mail. Keep your eyes open. Come on. Don't, no, no, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't go to, here it is. Medicare and Social Security are facing a substantial underfunding crisis amounting to $175 trillion. Did you, do you get that? They are underfunded to the tune of $175 trillion. That report comes from the United States Treasury. That's not some independent group. That's not some group with an ax to grind. That's the United States Treasury saying, hey, guys, uh, uh, Social Security, Medicare, uh -uh, we're about $175 trillion short as we look out on the horizon. That deficit of $175 trillion exceeds the entire economic output Of every nation on this earth. You look at the output, the economic output of every country on earth, and we are running up a deficit on Social Security and Medicare that is larger than the economic output of every nation on earth $175 trillion. Now, if you're a senior today, don't get scared. You still... It's your children. They're not going to have it. Medicare, forget about it. At this way, it it is unsustainable. And that's what I keep saying when you start looking at this monopoly money and you look at this debt that the United States is running. It's like this stuff. We are living on borrowed economic time. This is not sustainable, folks. Anyway, that makes people's eyes glaze over, so you can unglaze your eyes now. But I just necessary. If, if you think that these programs are vital to the health of this nation, they're not going to be around for your kids unless there is a dramatic fix. Let's go to Richie in the Bronx. Richie, you are up next on WABC. How are you?
3: Hey, Bo. Good, good, sir. Very, very big fan of yours. Hey, I know this kind of sounds a little off the wall, but getting back to the males and female sports, um, in horse racing, male horses have to race against male horses, whether they're gelded or not, and female horses, mares, have to only race against female horses. And to me, that, that tells the whole story. Uh, just transcends to, to humans, and that's what I want to say. I, I, you know what? I never knew
1: that. This has been the way. I'm, I'm serious. I never knew that. I'm not. Yeah, I, I haven't followed horse racing. That's the way it is, huh? Male horses against male horses, female horses against female horses. And it's been that way since horse racing. Is that what you're telling me, Richie?
3: I guess professional horse racing, you know, I'm sure there's backwood stuff going on, but but whether the male is gilded or not, they have to race against each other.
1: Yeah, and by gelded, since I'm unfamiliar with these terms, I'm thinking gelded means that he's had his um his thing snipped. Yes, is sir. Is that yep. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And what's that supposed to do for a horse besides make them mad when you
3: uh, nipple? Well it, it prevents uh, certain diseases, you know, a lot of people do it with the dogs. You know there's you know, there's possible cancer and, and you know, the um I guess the horses are more uh um excitable or uncontrollable, you know, when <laughs> you know, it's like having an eighteen year old kid running around in college. So um I I want to be polite. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I, I
1: understand. So, the solution for these 18 year old kids running around in college who have too much energy is to gel them, I guess. Well, anyway. Richie, great point. Thank you. I appreciate the call. Let's see. Time is quickly running out here on the first hour of Boston Early, Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800 848 WABC is the number to reach us. Hour number one. Hour number uno in the can. Let me tell you what's coming up on the show for the remaining two hours. We have a ticket giveaway today. It may come up in the next hour. It may come up in the third hour. But we have a ticket giveaway, and you are going to love this concert. That's coming up. Later on, Princess Di will join us. Can't wait to see what what she wants to speak about. And later on, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, with Jonas. Also, on Bo Lee's Saturday morning radio extravaganza, your calls coming up and part of the mix. So keep it right here. We're going to check in with Norm Laden for the news and rejoin eight hundred eight four eight WABC.
0: Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: Welcome, my friends, our number duo of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Noam Layden is in the house. Noam, how are you this morning? I am doing just great, James. How about yourself? I am fine. Noam, I cannot wait to see your reaction or to speak with you about this case. I've been reading about this all week. This guy that is a squatter out in Queens. He moved in. uh, people bought the house. It's supposedly their dream house. They paid, I think, something like $2 million for this house. They're ready to move in. They get to the house and somebody is in there and refusing to leave. This guy says, he claims that the last owner's of the house gave him permission to stay. And then he filed for bankruptcy and the bankruptcy laws say, well, you can't kick him out if he's declared bank. This, this is madness.
2: It is. This guy, Brett Flores. So I guess he was the caretaker for the person who lived in the house uh, before, before it was sold off. And he claims that the person that he was taking care of told him, no matter what happens after I sell the house, you can stay here. On top of that, he was making like $3,000 a week from, you know, in his caretaking job. And you know what happens in New York City is sometimes you have good intentions with a law, and especially laws that protect tenants, and, but then they get, you know, then they get all screwed up and messed up, and the bankruptcy laws go too far, and then you get a situation like this, where clearly he should not be living in this house anymore. And this family, who this house is beautiful, by the way, it's in Douglas Douglaston Queens. I mean, it's a gorgeous house, and this husband and wife are going to move in with their kid who has a uh, Down syndrome, and you know, live in a beautiful neighborhood.
1: And now they've paid the money for this house, and they can't move in, and it's just outrageous. This is not just New York. This is happening. In fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, legislature down in Georgia, I think the Atlanta area, is looking to re uh, to redo their laws there because squatters have moved into exclusive neighborhoods, taken over houses. People go to move in after they bought a house and found out they can't move in. The same thing that's happened here. And there were other people... Uh, I'm surprised that this that these incidents of squatting are handled so peacefully, even though they take time. I, I would just be outraged if you spend all this money to buy a house, you go there, and there's someone in your house, and you can't get them out.
2: It does seem outrageous. I mean, you would want to go in and just yank them out, yank them out by the collar, but you can't. You know, obviously, you can't do that. You, you can't, right? And again, you know these tenant laws. Initially, they had, you know, look, you want tenants on some level to be protected. They're paying someone's uh, mortgage, and that wasn't the case here. But some of these laws, laws apparently apply to him so he can stay there. And so you have so many incidents of these where people stop paying their rent and the building owner can't kick them out, and they lose tons of money. And a lot of times it's small-time property owners. And in this case, it's somebody who... Again, they wanted, they're not, they just wanted to move into their dream house and here we are months later and they can't move in.
1: It's just, it's astounding to me. It's astounding to me that, do you think that this is going to lead to any legal reform in New York or is this just a one-off? Yeah, this
2: is, this is a one-off. They're, you, look at the city council. I mean, they're not going to change other tenant laws. <laughs> the mayor is not going to change them.
3: Who <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean it's a great story and we follow along and I feel bad for this family there's nothing they can do about it though until I guess there's a period of time at some point where they'll be like they'll be able to kick him out but that could be months more that'll live in this house oh my house. gosh
1: okay d- did you see the video of this woman this this I, I, I don't even know how to describe her you have a cellist that's playing in the subway system he's busy playing He has a water bottle, and this ain't one of these metal water bottles by the side. By his side, I guess when he needs refreshment, he's busy playing. Some woman comes along, grabs his metal water bottle, and smacks the guy over the head and hurt him. He was hurt. The judge, a judge, had let this woman out. She has eight priors. And she's out, and now the judge is coming under a little bit of scrutiny. I don't know what's going to happen here, but this is another one of these incidents that makes it seem like there's just, it's just total lawlessness. Do what you want to do and don't serve any time.
2: It, by the way, in this case, the prosecutor said to the judge before she went before the judge and said, you should not let this person out on bail. I mean, they, there were instructions not to. Don't. She shouldn't be let out. I mean, it was a vile—we The whole... City saw this crime. This, I mean, it was really violent. She hit this guy over the head as hard as she possibly could as he was playing the cello. And, you know, he's kind of messed up from it. He doesn't ever want to play in the subway before. And he was one of these guys who was making money. He's a medical school student making some money on the side to pay his bills. Now he's not going to go back down there. But, again, the prosecutor said... You should not. This is the prosecutor speaking. You should not let this person out on bail. But the judge has the ultimate say, and The judge said, yeah, (laughs) you're free to go, even though she has all those priors.
1: And now the judge is uh, there were people that are questioning her and she's it's not appropriate to question me. They were trying to question her outside of her home. I'm with my children. Don't question me. Well, you're with your children. What does that have to do with you letting this? This woman had not shown up. She had been arrested multiple times, had not shown up court on any of these things. This woman obviously should have been behind bars. But yet here we go again. Supposedly this judge is another one of these uh, progressives and doesn't believe apparently in enforcing the law. I guess it's the only way to, that's the way I look at it. I don't know how else to see it though.
2: Yeah, it's open to, you know, all these things are open to their own, the judge's own interpretation. They have their, you know, they can figure out what they want to do and lay down the law and they want to. And, and so in the case of this woman, Amira Hunter, who should clearly be behind bars for that crime, she said no. She
1: didn't think so. So, so she's she's back home wherever wherever she lives. So the Manhattan District Attorney, Norm, has also, the, the picture was iconic. It spread all around the world. The Venezuelan immigrant. Flipping off, reported, two middle fingers up in the air. This was the case after the police were beaten down uh, in Times Square. He's been apparently exonerated, released. Alvin Bragg's office let him go. What about this guy?
2: Well, now they say he wasn't the right guy. They, They had the wrong guy. And so they... They had to let him walk. They thought he was somebody. They identified him as somebody who was in this like white jacket and they pegged him as being that guy. And when they went back and I guess looked at the tape, because there's a great tape of it, there was surveillance, you know, it's Times Square. There's surveillance cameras everywhere. They said this isn't, this isn't their guy. So they let him go. No choice.
1: Yeah. No wonder he had his middle fingers up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, everybody
2: has seen that shot. He's wearing a a Lakers uh, shirt as he walks out of court. And there's tons of cameras around because everybody's invested in these stories of migrants committing crimes. There's been so many of them, especially in Times Square. And uh, as he does, he flips flips the reporters the bird as they yell out questions at him. And maybe rightfully so, because he's probably in his head saying, hey, I wasn't involved in this crime.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So <laughs> the latest one of these challenges I every mean, these challenges. When did this challenge business start? Anyway, in Oklahoma I I don't know how you come up with this, but they and I don't know how you volunteer for this. Oklahoma high school students engaged in a toe licking challenge <laughs> as a fundraiser. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it sounds like something you'd see on u or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes,
1: it does. And the images, the images, these kids are laying down. Some, So a bunch of kids are sitting in a row barefoot, and then you have other students lying down on the floor before them licking their toes. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and what's this all about? Like, why are they? Why are they doing this? It's,
1: it's these are high school students, Noah. <laughs> this is in high school, and this is part of this is this is for a charity. It's a good cause. It's for a charity that employs disabled people, but the Deer Creek High School <laughs> in Edmond. Oklahoma hosted an assembly, Class of the Classes. Uh, classes. The event was to raise money for the Not Your Average Joe Coffee, which employs people with intellectual development and physical disabilities. Now, that's a great cause. Sure. Students first had to pay to attend the assembly. And then one of the challenges was a toe-licking contest Wait. during which. This is a school
2: sponsored event. Like this yes. is happening at school yes. during the school day. Yes. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. Come on. <laughs> I'm not,
1: no, I'm not kidding. Oh my God. How so do you then, get
2: that past the administration? Do they, do teachers know about this?
1: <laughs> I, somebody had to figure it out because the chairs were in place and it's not just one student. I'm telling you, it's a line of students sitting down with their bare feet. And then the other students are laying on the floor. (laughs) Students had to pay to to get into the assembly. Freshmen through seniors volunteered to participate (laughs) in a series of challenges. And one of those challenges involved a toe-licking contest.
2: You know, as you're telling me the story, of course, I'm Googling it because I want to see this video this is outrageous. There are people sitting in chairs on the basketball yes! court and you, you don't see the, it's, it's all been blurred out so you can't see who anybody is, but you can see it's clearly kids who are lying on the floor while other yes! kids are sitting in chairs with bare feet and they're licking them.
1: <laughs> they are licking and sucking them. Yeah. It's not just licking, they are sucking the toes as well. <laughs> and, and, and not on that, but they paid to do that. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's great The, the, the coverage
1: is, is very clear No faculty or staff participated during the assembly
3: it's just, So it's just the kids But they videotaped the it. it
1: It's just the kids being freak of the week it's, No we didn't have our teachers participate in this No one got a chance to lick their favorite high school teacher's toes Right That would have been extra just, I guess just, just their fellow students
2: Oh my god! Yeah, I'm watching this. This is outrageous. I don't know how you how do I mean you would think the administrator is going to be in all kinds of hot water, right? I mean, how do you let this happen in your school? And then it's all posted, of course, everywhere. I took I you know a simple Google search. I had the video in about five seconds, so <laughs> it's out there everywhere. <laughs> but I see they raised a lot of money in the end. Actually, though,
1: they raised hundred and
2: fifty two thousand dollars. That's amazing. That's a lot of money for high school kids. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> maybe well, they, maybe this will, ca- you know, look, $150,000, I mean, you know, you start to think, wow, okay, <laughs> maybe there's
1: something to this. I don't know whose idea this was. <laughs> Obviously, they don't go into that kind of detail. But things in high school are not what they were when I no. was in
2: high school. You know, I remember doing high school fundraisers, you know, for similar type organizations, and we like, Made cupcakes and sold them at lunchtime. Yeah, you
1: know,
3: that was about well, you as dangerous can't do as it that. Got.
1: Now you can't do that now. Why is that? Of effort, Because of because of regulations, you can't bake. You cannot bake products at home and bring them into school. A lot of a lot of schools won't allow that anymore because of they don't know the ingredients in them, et cetera, et cetera. And it might violate, uh, you know, laws, you got allergens, yeah. oh, so a God. lot of schools won't let you do that stuff anymore.
2: You know, you're absolutely right, like I think about my kids, they, if, the, and they just stopped doing it, but if, when they wanted to bring a peanut butter sandwich to school, they had to sit at a completely separate table from their friends because they had a peanut butter sandwich only table, so I what? guess, yeah, because there's. This is not their school. Not just their school. There's a lot of schools. If you want, some schools just ban it outright because of a peanut butter or peanut allergy. But other schools, like my kid's school, they would let you bring one in, but you had you had to eat your peanut butter sandwich at a separate table. And so at first my kids were okay with doing that. But then of course they, you never know who's going to be at that table. And that's very important. Of course, at lunchtime in the cafeteria. So they were like, you know what? We don't want the peanut butter sandwich for lunch anymore. We'll go with you know, bologna or something like that.
1: Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well that, you know what? I used to think that that was, um, I used to think the parents that insisted that you don't eat peanut butter and jelly around their kids and stuff. I used to think that they were being selfish until I actually talked to a mother and she explained in great detail how. Look, this stuff, these allergens, are airborne, and you can have kids even if they have that medication that they keep. Uh, to, if they go into uh, uh, the shock, Epi- EpiPen, yeah, the EpiPen. It doesn't always work, right? And this can end up being deadly. This is, and there was an incident recently where, um, where a a child, I think it was on a plane or something, actually. I believe it would ended in a fatality hmm. because the EpiPen didn't work. Wow. And so, yeah, serious business, some of these allergies. I just wonder now if in, in Dearborn they're going to have a uh, separate seating for um, if you want to do some toe licking and toe sucking <laughs> during uh, lunchtime. Right. <laughs>
2: oh, you got to love that. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, i've mean, never seen anything <laughs> like it Like,
2: but... mean, how does that go through any layer of the administration without someone saying what <laughs> you're gonna do what to raise money i mean you no. would think somebody had to approve it because there it was <laughs> there it was on the gym floor i'm looking at this it looks like a sanctioned school event i mean it doesn't look like it was it a rogue is? moment at school because <laughs> I mean, there's all these kids lying on the floor oh my god it's really
1: unbelievable <laughs> what I wanted, and they do not show you. I wonder where. I wonder where. The, oh, don't no, let me go there. No, go ahead. I, I, no, I wonder. I wonder. Are these boys sucking girls' toes and and feet, or it's, are these? It's
2: hard to are, tell.
1: Is the there video. is there mixed use? Is there mixed? I don't. Oh, oh and you know
2: what? I'm watching. I mean, if you want the answer, I'll give you the answer. No, it is. It's a little Which, bit of everything. It's some boys with girls, and the other way around. <laughs>
1: Okay, then. Okay, then. Get them, get them Get them. started early, apparently. But, Bo, they raised $150,000.
2: Yes. In
1: one day. In one day. It's
2: unbelievable.
1: You know, right now, there are other high school administrators around the country saying, uh, guys, did you see this? Right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> norm as always
2: <laughs> oh, that's crazy thank you for get, making my day <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had not norm heard that X story <laughs> uh, yeah always a pleasure talking with you
1: <laughs> um, WABC news director norm lady ladies and gentlemen oh this day Stevie wonder I know what this one is this was the, uh, the Grammy Awards the year that Inner Visions was up. And Stevie won four of them. This was for the Talking Book album. And what? No, no, well, this was for, I'm trying to wait. Is this Talking Book or Inner Visions? This was for Talking Book. Inner Visions. Okay, this was for Inner Visions. Got it. I was right the first time. Right well, he won four Grammys anyway. The WABC Talk Radio 77 Your calls are coming up 800-848 What would you do If your kid came home from school Mommy Mommy guess what I did today I licked Susie's toes And I sucked them And oh man Her toes were awesome mom And I raised some money I got paid We got paid she has the best toes. They, I mean, just, as soon as I put my face there, I was like, mmm, this smells good. And then I, and then I started licking them. And then, mom, I sucked it. I sucked her toes. And she loved it. Only in America.
3: Saturday
0: morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, aka Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC.
1: Birthday today, John Bon Jovi, born 1962, American singer songwriter. Blaze of glory back in 1990. Which, what's the name of it, Tom? What's the name of this one?
4: This is, this ain't a love song.
1: Right, this ain't a love song. John bon Jovi on WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. Hey, Ron DeSantis is up uh, back in. Can I? Oh, someone's asking me if. Never mind. Um, this is related to that toe sucking uh story. Hmm. No wonder why so many people are homeschooling if they can. Wonder what other body parts they'll come up with next. Hey, we're talking about high school students here. Um, the University of Florida, Ron DeSantis is back in town. He's not campaigning anymore. Uh, Governor DeSantis and Florida, they passed a law down in Florida, which guess what? It prohibits this DEI in their university system. As a result, the University of Florida now firing all the employees in their diversity, equity, and inclusion positions and administrative appointments. To comply with the Florida Florida Board of Governors regulation, blah, 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 on prohibited expenditures, the University of Florida has closed the Office of Chief Diversity Officer, eliminated DEI positions and administrative appointments. It has halted DEI-focused contracts with outside vendors. They just got rid of DEI in the university system throughout the state of Florida. The governor there, Ron DeSantis, who's made halting DEI a cornerstone of his efforts to overhaul education in the state, tweeted out or Xed out, Florida is where DEI goes to die. DEI is toxic has no place in our public universities. I'm glad Florida was the first state to eliminate DEI, and I hope more states follow suit. They better work on his insurance thing down there, because that... <clears throat> anyway. Yes, your call's coming up. Very short. In fact, you know what? Let's do this. I, I'll take some of the stories later. Uh, Sandra has been waiting for a while. Sandra, thank you for your patience. You're on WABC. How are you this morning?
5: I feel very good, ready to go, have a good day, and start my day off talking to you. How could you beat that?
1: Oh, thank you. Very sweet of you. <laughs> What's on your mind today?
5: Well, you know, Donald Trump is on my mind. I I, I want to talk about him because we, we can't forget all that he has done. Like, for instance, if you take, you know, the border, how he went there and Biden went there, it was like night and day. He faced the problem. Biden's avoiding the problem. But but before that, I was going through Newt Gingrich's book last night, and he says it's, the name of the book is Understanding Trump. I mean, I understand him. I'm from I'm originally from Brooklyn. He's from Queens, so there's a you know right there. I understand the man. But he did so many things that no other president did, and I you know I can briefly go over them. He ran casinos. He built buildings. He did that top-rated show the apprentice he ran the university of the mr university contest he he has so much experience with all these things that he did that no other president did but what got me is i was looking at the inaugural address that he wrote when he became president i i mm-hmm. just went over a couple of little things he said you know do usually presidents go from one administration to the other transferring the power, but not him. We are transferring power from Washington, DC and giving it back to you, the American people. Look, I'm bringing this up because he kept his word and he said, you know, the government gets all the rewards while the people born the course this is true look how we're suffering now with immigration how you know maybe biden's benefiting from this but we certainly are not then he says we no longer accept politicians who are all talk and no action he means that constantly complaining and never doing anything about it the time for empty talk is over he meant that because he proved it and then he says here you know you know all the people all over the world, like in Detroit or, or Nebraska, we all look up at the sky at night, and our hearts are filled with the same dreams. We're all the same, and we all want the same. And he said, you will never be ignored again. I I suggest that we read the inaugural address that he wrote and and get to know this man, because uh let me tell you something. He's a phenomenon, and he's a once-in-a-lifetime well, man who never...
1: Look, some of the other things that that you did not mention, one of the reasons that there is global angst over, especially over in Europe, over a second Trump term is surrounds NATO. Now, Donald Trump did something that no other American president has done. He actually demanded that NATO pay its way, that they stop relying on the American taxpayer if you belong to NATO, you are supposed uh, member nation of NATO. You are supposed to put two percent of your GDP into the defense of your country through NATO. They didn't. Many of these nations they relied on money from the United States to fund NATO. And Donald Trump says we're tired of being suckers with this. You want to defend Europe, pay your pay your way. Right now there is a lot of angst because Donald Trump is is again talking about NATO and the fact that once he left office. It it reverted right back to what it was. You have member states that are not paying their dues. And Donald Trump is serious. He's talking about just actually even withdrawing from NATO. And this is causing a lot of headaches. Over, One of the reasons that the Europeans can afford this lavish spending that they do on social welfare programs is they don't have to worry about their defense as much as we do, because we here in the United States have been paying for the defense of Europe. It's asinine. Donald Trump was on top of that. Look at what happened with the trade war. And I keep – we won a war under Donald Trump, the trade war with China. We won that. It was not reported that we won it. In fact, the mainstream press did all they can to badmouth Trump for actually putting tariffs in place and actually dealing with China, not just on the issue of taxes and, and tariffs, but also on them stealing our intellectual property, stealing the intellectual property of American companies. Donald Trump won that battle. It is an important battle. And now you look at the headlines, Joe Biden, $40,000, went into his account from a Chinese company. And the left is not at all concerned about any of that. So, by the way, there's also reports that China's having problems right now with their factories. They are not producing to, with the output that they had before. Um, they are not having as much success in their economy as they were before. And some of that is due to the Trump-era policies and also to <laughs> COVID. Now that's another story. But anyway, Sandra, great call. Thank you for bringing uh, some of the quotes from that book to our attention. Sounds marvelous. we got to take a quick break. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number. Princess Die's is coming up in the next hour. America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Rhonda Schrock, is coming up in the next hour. We also, before we leave today, we will have a ticket giveaway. I will tell you now what it is. Don't call in now. I'll let you know when to call. Tommy James and the Shondells will be performing in April at the St. George Theater. We'll get some tickets for that later on. So keep it right here on WABC, back in a moment.
0: The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza.
6: James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, Now.
0: here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC.
1: All right, halfway through the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. You know what that means. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, well, except if you're driving, if you're driving, keep, keep driving. If you're flying a plane, don't do this. But for everybody else, if you won't put yourself or anyone else in harm's way, it's time for the morning dance. Oh, time to get up and shake your Willis. Shake your Willis, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, Carlos. You don't look like he's like he's like he's like doing the the millennial version of this. He's like shaking it with the phone in one hand, checking his text messages. There you go. Tom has some rhythm over here. Yeah, everybody's up. Stretch it, work it. Spirit Jive, a morning dance on WABC. Ah. Talk Radio 77. There is an PMS NBC analyst. His name is uh, Donnie Deutsch. He says the path of Joe Biden's victory is for Biden. I can't use the language because this is radio. But you'll get the drift. He says the way that Joe Biden can win the White House is... For his campaign to scare the blank starts with an S. Scare the blank out of people. Scare the manure out of people, as it were. And what he's suggesting is that the military guys ought to step up. From the Biden and Obama era, Chief of Staff John Kelly former Secretary of Defense James Mattis, former National Security Advisor McMaster, former Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, who should have been brought up on charges. They need a general campaign. Send out these generals. Send out these guys. They need to go before the American public, turn on the camera and say, you don't understand how scary this can be. We can America can really go over a cliff if Donald Trump is reelected. These people, these patriots need to stand up because that's who America listens to. Really? No, they don't. I think if you do this right campaign with those four guys, you continue to put the message out, you're going to lose control of your bodies, women. Immigration will get even worse. That makes no sense. How is immigration going to get worse under Donald Trump? We have had 10 million illegal immigrants enter this country under Joe Biden. And you say to go out to the public, they watch every step of this and say that immigration is going to get worse under Donald Trump? Joyce says our democracy is really, 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 really on the line here, and our way of life will change. Get people. Scare the blank out of people. Yeah, well, guess what, Donnie? Hey, Donnie. Biden has been scaring the blank out of Americans for almost four years now. Every time they grow in the grocery store and have to pull their wallet, it scares the S out of them. Every time they walk down the streets in certain cities, they've already got the S scared out of them. Every time they look at what used to be their pensions and see where they are now, they get the S scared out of them. Every time they look at pictures of the southern border and see another multitude on their way in, unchecked, it scares the S out of them. Every time they pick up the newspaper and see these judges releasing criminals back on the streets, it scares the S out of them. So, Donnie, America has already had the S scared out of them by Joe Biden. Pal. Take this, for instance. He says it's going to get worse under Donald Trump immigration. Get this. Main residence in Upro over $13 million Taj Mahal. Ah, the Taj. It's a migrant housing complex where asylum seekers can stay rent-free, rent-free in luxury apartments for two years. Residents of a main town. This is Brunswick, Maine. If you know where Brunswick is, you, you know where Nova Scotia is. Well, wait, I Tom. have a
7: friend that I went to Fordham with. She's from Cumberland, so I have an idea.
1: Yeah, it's right. It's right up there near. If you look at right near the water, Brunswick is right over there, and then you get in the water a little bit, cross it, and you're in Nova Scotia. You're in you're in Canuck land. Okay, but anyway. <clears throat> Residents of the main town have hit out at a $13 million construction. 60 apartments in a complex, and they're building it for asylum seekers. Well, may or not. It's for everybody. But asylum seekers can live rent-free for two years, and then after two years, they only have to pay a fraction of what it really costs to live there. Locals in Brunswick are furious. This thing is being funded by a mix of private and public money. So it's not, it's taxpayer money, part of it. The apartment complex in Brunswick is one of many projects being launched by the town and what critics have labeled a Taj Mahal red carpet welcome for asylum seekers. There are 180 apartments in the Brunswick Landing Complex available for anyone to rent. A one-bedroom unit costs $1,800 a month. You want two bedrooms, that's 2300 bucks a month. That's pretty cheap by some standards. But asylum seekers, they don't have to pay rent at all for two years. While they get their work permits, they're here illegally. And they get you, you're an American citizen. You want a nice little one-bedroom apartment? 1800 bucks a month, fork it over. Don't be late. You want a two-bedroom, twenty-three hundred. You're here as an illegal. Oh, you get yours for free, and you can stay in it for free for two years while you get your work permit. And then, then, if they, uh, the illegals, if they get a job that pays half of the average local salary, they will only have to pay a third of the rental price. That means they would have to pay, if you're an illegal, five hundred bucks for a one-bedroom. Six hundred ninety for a two-bedroom. Meanwhile, if you're a American citizen, you're paying for this. You're paying for part of it, and you have to pay the full weight. This is through the um, Maine Housing, the State's Housing Authority. Maine Housing plowed six million dollars into the construction of the complex. And they've set aside $2 million to cover rent at the properties for two years for illegals. You wonder what country you're living in some days, folks. Big story in the Wall Street Journal. Border crackdowns will not solve America's immigration crisis. This is in the Wall Street Journal. Well, I guess we shouldn't bother with a Border crackdown, then, huh? Not going to solve the problem. Uh, and they blame, okay, dig this. The border crisis dates back to policy changes in the late 80s. Ronald Reagan's, they're blaming Ronald Reagan for this. They're blaming Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan's Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 was the last major bipartisan immigration reform, provided amnesty to 2.7 million undocumented, mostly Mexican immigrants, but it also fired the opening shot for increased border surveillance and introduced sanctions for employees hiring undocumented workers. Since then... Successive Republican and Democrat administrations that have invested massive resources in ramping up border surveillance. But the Wall Street Journal says so all this stuff doesn't work. None of it's working. You know, it's amazing that when Donald Trump was in office and actually started enforcing the law, we saw dramatic drops in the number of people, and we saw people voluntarily deporting themselves out of America. In this article, I won't go through the whole thing in the Wall Street Journal. They say, you know, it's unrealistic to think that 11 million people are going to uh, uh, be mass deported out of America. Really? Really? Why is that? And they also say that um, not only will 11 million, and by the way, the figure is no longer 11 million. Joe Biden just let in 10 million during his term. They say the 11 million people will not be deported in. And, and whether we, and this, I guess, is addressed to you conservatives, whether you conservatives like it or not, they don't say the word conservatives, I am. Whether you conservatives like it or not, we're going to have to also give amnesty to people here. we got to just give them amnesty because there's no way we're going to deport them. all. I wonder what you think. Do we have to just say, okay, you're here, you broke the law, you're forgiven, just stay? Because we can't deport you all. Ah, you can try. E. Frank and Astoria, you're up next on... Oh, do we have to take a break? Okay, we're good. We took that last break. Are you sure? We
7: can do whatever you want.
1: Take the break now, and then let's go to phones. I don't want to just leave this guy with 30 seconds. So let's do it right now. Born today, 1977. Goodness, I was already almost grown Chris Martin English singer songwriter pianist guitarist lead vocalist co-founder of Coldplay Coldplay has so many songs that are just great
7: I love um, I love this song and I love A Sky Full of Stars that's how young I am
1: love it this this one is my favorite Coldplay song
7: oh without question this is one of their best songs ever
1: but the first time I heard this, you know, for a minute, I thought it was Sting. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not. He's got like Sting's, it, it's like a style. It's a vibe. Thanks, TJ. He's got like that Sting vibe on it. But this one, oh man, this is a great play.
0: This Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snertly, on 77 WABC. W.A.B.C. Dark Radio
1: 77 in New York. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. All
7: right,
1: he- telephone time. E. Frank, you've been waiting patiently. Thank you so much for your patience, E. Frank. How are you this morning?
4: James, uh, it's now the 32nd anniversary since uh, I heard that Bill Clinton was going to run for president, and I went out cold at Astoria General Hospital, so I just got to congratulate myself and the New York City emergency, former New York City emergency medical service employees that worked at that time at the former EMS that uh, ran the city, not FDNY, EMS nowadays. But I'm calling James because I'm a little bit concerned about the issue involving our good mayor, Mayor Eric Adams. You know, if you know, I go way back with Eric when I was a, a small teenager, when um, I was an eyewitness to the uh, police beating that he received. Uh, I used to shake hands with him all the time in my grandmother's building here in Astoria, and I, we used to chit and chattel about the, those white cracker jokes. And, of course, uh, his one of his best friends, Ms. Uh, Leto, from, she's an organist in Brownsville, Brooklyn, at St. Joaquin St. Anne Parish. She always greets me and says hi. She she wanted to help my mother when she had a bad uh, car accident. Uh, had a clavicle uh Okay, uh, issue that, I
3: got
1: to steer you into your point, though. What is the point about Eric Adams? No, I'm not trying to be rude. Just looking at the clock. What do you uh, want to say Donald about said, Eric?
4: Yeah, uh, you know this lady that's uh, the Asian lady uh, that Miss Greco. They ransacked uh, her house and removed. The- that she's uh, involved. The FBI.
1: With- the FBI raided two of her properties. I understand, not just one, two of her properties, and she had some kind of a medical emergency and had to be taken to the hospital. I don't know whether this happened during the raid or after the raid, but that's that's what's up. So, wh- what is it about these raids that you want to focus on, E. Frank?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel very belittled by the fact that uh, Mayor Adams uh, is directly involved with any of this. I believe I'm not saying that he is or he is not involved, but the the things that I hear from one of your talk show hosts, there uh, also a friend of mine, Curtis Lee, was saying that his uh, complexion is his uh, protection. That you know that he is a guy who follows like red communist uh, people. Uh, that he gets in trouble all the time with the law because he 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 always has. Well, look, you know you
1: know what? You why don't you address those things with Curtis on Curtis's show? Because I don't I don't those are comments that Curtis made about him, and that's who should address your concerns with those comments. Now, as for Eric Adams, I have no inve- no idea where this investigation is going. I have no in idea of why the FBI raided the property. I will say this. I thought that it was pretty brazen of Joe Biden's Department of Justice to begin this investigation into Eric Adams the day he was supposed to meet Joe Biden and express in person his unhappiness with Joe Biden's immigration policies. He had to leave moments before that meeting was to take place in the White House. He was already in Washington, D.C., and had to come back. That's when the first raid of his campaign person broke news. We didn't know at the time that that was the reason he had to suddenly bail out of that meeting. I think they're just—they sent him a clear signal. We don't like what you've been doing to the president, and we're gonna—you are now on the target list. So I don't know whether anything that they are investigating has validity. Whether this is just the weaponized. Department of Justice coming after Eric Adams because Eric Adams is now a target of Joe Biden's DOJ for standing up to Joe Biden on this uh, uh, area of illegal immigration or whether there's some justification here. And that's the danger of having a weaponized Department of Justice. You never know if they are attacking you, if they're coming after you for anything illegitimate or whether... This is just another political persecution. And that's what the Department of Justice has turned into. I guess we're all going to have to wait and see, E. Frank, and everyone else, what this is that they think they've got on Eric Adams. Why are they raiding his people's houses? What did he do? Now, we have had some hints that some of it may involve campaign issues and Turkey and, and a foreign government. Don't know for sure. We don't know for sure why they're going after Eric Adams. And they're not leaking, so which is also unusual. So we really don't know. But Eric Adams did something that Democrats don't do, typically. He kept begging and begging and begging Joe Biden to please send us money. We've got these illegal immigrants coming in by the score. We cannot sustain the budget to do it. Joe Biden ignored him. Joe Biden ignored New York. Remember that headline White House to New York, drop dead. Well, that's pretty much what New York has been getting from the Biden administration when it comes to illegal immigration drop dead. We don't care about your concerns. And not only New York, but all the uh, many other blue cities as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of trouble for Eric Adams. And that trouble may extend itself throughout the election season. Our number duo in the can. Our number trio coming up. We have Princess Die coming up in the third hour. We also have America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Rhonda Schrock, coming up in the third hour. And we have a ticket giveaway. Busy third hour coming up. Norm laden with the news. Checking in and then we begin our number trio. Keep it right here on WABC.
0: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio.
1: Welcome, my friends, to our number trio of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Telephone number 800 848 WABC if you would like to give us a ring. Coming up this hour, Princess died. Coming up this hour, America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Trot. Coming up this hour, your chance to win tickets to go see Tommy James and the Shandells. First, let us get to a few little stories or a few other stories in the news. This one is this is at the time it was a huge issue. The issue has died down. Now we really get some news and. A lot of people probably won't hear it because it won't be covered. But the news comes out of Harvard. Harvard University did not review any of former President Claudine's gay scholarly work during their search for a president. Now, this is almost falls in the line of unbelievable. The Harvard Corporation... Did not conduct a review of former President Claudine Gay's scholarly work because of her lengthy experience at the institution as an administrator. The Harvard Crimson reported that the Harvard Corporation hired Claudine Gay as their 30th president without doing any scholarly review of her work. Instead, of focusing on her scholarly work, which the Crimson considers thin, the Harvard Corporation preferred to look at Gay's administrative experience and expertise over two other candidates who had a more extensive scholarship record. According to the report, the Harvard Corporation passed on two internal candidates who had more, expense, uh, more extensive scholarship credentials and had more administrative experience. This is damning. You hear people all the time on the left ridicule, vilify people on the right who are opposed to affirmative action, and I put that in quotes. But this is what affirmative action means to a lot of people on the right. Just what Harvard did. You take a person that has less experience, that has less of a track record in a field, and you promote them over people who have worked hard, who have earned a chance to be looked at because of the merit of their work. And that is one of the reasons why so many people on the right wanted to see affirmative action gone. This is unfair. It's not only unfair to the people that were passed over, it's also unfair to Ms. Gay. She was put into a position to fail. She did not have the credentials. She did not have the work experience to be successful as the president of Harvard. That's why you got these platitudes from her, that when when people started questioning her work and when she was put in front of that committee and Elise Stefanik asked a bunch of questions, well, I spoke my truth. I spoke my truth. These liberal platitudes that absolutely mean nothing when you're trying to get to the heart of a situation based on factual information. There isn't a my truth. There is the truth. And she failed miserably. She failed miserably as an administrator. Now, that's not to say that any of these other candidates that were put up would not have had an equally hard time. One never knows. Those are hypotheticals. But the fact that people with more credentials, with better track records, were passed over, for Claudine Gay tells you that there's something incredibly wrong with the process here, and, and and the end result is it benefited nobody. It didn't benefit her. It did not benefit Harvard. In fact, it hurts hurt. It has hurt Harvard in many ways. Now there may be still people around the country that hear Harvard University and they get weak in the knees. In fact, there's a video today. Joe Manchin was up at Harvard. This protester, this climate protester comes in and and just calls him all kind of vile names, and one of Joe Manchin's aides just takes the guy out. It's pretty funny, actually. But Harvard is not what Harvard was, and I don't think there's any question about that. And this report by the Harvard Crimson... I wonder whether it will be greeted at Harvard with it's time for a wake-up call or whether it will just be dismissed. Article today, you can find it at the Daily BS, Pressure Mounts for Daylight Savings Time Reform. I am not going to spend a whole lot of time with this. Every year this time we get the same story. There's always, every year we get this. It's time for daylight savings to be, and what happens every year? Every year, daylight savings time is never reformed. Push the clocks up, push the clocks back, push the clocks up again, push the clocks back again. And then I, you ask, well, why are we pushing the clocks? It has to do with agriculture and something in agriculture and the farmers. And I'm not against the farmers. I love the farmers. But the farmers, it's like I never understood the rationale for this at all. But it's something to do with agriculture. Maybe somebody out there knows. Why do we do this? It hasn't made sense for decades. Representative Bob Morgan, Deerfield, Michigan, is one of those. Rubio was big on this. Marco Rubio. But uh, uh, Bob Morgan says any legislator with small kids knows what it's like to have to move our clocks forward an hour, losing hours sleep. The damage the damage that it does, not to us, just to our sleep cycle, but to our children, how they're feeling, their productivity during the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not tomorrow, but it's next Sunday. Daylight saving time officially returns at 2 a.m. in the morning. I guess you'll have to move your clocks forward an hour, lose an hour worth of sleep. That's next between Saturday and Sunday in the wee hours of the morning alright we're going to take a quick break here so we have some time to spend with our princess on this day 1999 Dusty Springfield passed away after losing a long battle with cancer age 59 she had her first hit with this I only want to be with you but this is the one. I think if you say Dusty Springfield, this one. You don't have to say you love me. And so many others have covered this song. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Princess Die coming up in mere moments. Keep it right here on WABC.
0: It's time for a radio royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Die.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have been waiting anxiously for this moment to speak with America's Princess of Policy. She is the one that first alerted me, then he was just a factory worker who went to a city, I think it was some kind of city council meeting. This lieutenant governor, the now lieutenant governor in North Carolina, who's now running for governor, and the Amazon Prime Washington Post, 14 pages of warnings about how dangerous he is. Mark Robinson, welcome, Princess Di. How are you?
6: I am very happy to speak with you, Sir James. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. That story on Mark uh, Mark Robinson kind of blew my mind. I kept pre- I printed it out. The pages kept coming. I said, "How long is this thing? 14 pages!" And they are out of their minds, worried that this guy is going to be the next governor of North Carolina.
6: And and it reads. Almost as an endorsement, if anyone who who is on our side of the aisle reads it, every criticism almost makes you want to stand and cheer, which I have wanted to do whenever I've heard uh, Mark Robinson speak. And you're right, that was a uh, Greensboro, North Carolina City Council meeting April 3rd, 2018, that I happened to come across that night. And the video that went wild, uh, viral around the country. After that, he, Mr. Robinson, was a factory worker. And on his shirt, you can see it says "Zone Leader." So he was a zone leader. I think it was an auto parts factory. He had come down after work, and he started out by giving his name and and who, where his his address. And he said, I didn't prepare a speech. I didn't have any help. Apparently, the people who had gone before him on this issue, which was a Second Amendment issue, had all kinds of, of legal help. And he spoke off the cuff for about four minutes. And it is the most word perfect speech defending the Constitution, the rights of the majority, as he calls it, the majority being law-abiding citizens, and it is impassioned, it is brilliant, it is 100% persuasive, and if you hear, every time I've listened to it, every few uh, months I listen to it, you just want to stand and cheer because it is so inspiring. And believe it or not, after Rush passed, he put a notification on his Facebook page, and he credited Rush for becoming a conservative, he had, uh, you know, not liked Rush just based on what he had heard about Rush. And he had a friend who said, just listen to him. And he started listening to Rush. And over the course of a year and a half, he realized that he was a conservative and, and wow. so full bodied. That philosophy, ideology came, you know, so well explained and connected with Mark Robinson that he was able then to go out of work just down to the city council and proclaim a constitutional defense of the second amendment. And it is remains to this day. It has worn very well. And every word is true. So I know that he is going to win and governorship of North Carolina because of that, he is very persuasive and that is what the Washington Post is afraid of.
1: Well, I, yeah, I, like I said, I have my issues with one or two of the things I can't stand this whole of uh, Michelle Obama's a woman thing. It just, I find it insulting, it bothers me. But, you know, aside from that, whatever. But whoever, I don't agree with anybody 100%. But but I love, you know what's amazing, and I'm sorry to take you off tangent. Isn't it amazing, the speeches that affect you, that you remember them? I remember that speech by Mark Robinson because it was such an amazing speech and because it was off the cuff. You know one of my other favorite speeches of all time uh, Nigel Farage, when he went before the EU, those guys at the EU, I just have the image of my, in my mind, him looking at those people and he, he just said, none of you have worked an honest day in your life. And the, <laughs> the groans and, but he nailed these people for who they were, a bunch of out of touch elitists who were wrapped up as policy wants and knew nothing about the lives of the people that they supposedly governed. It was one of the most effective political speeches I've ever seen in my life. He was amazing.
6: Well, I think there's a a common thread there. I mean, you have physical courage and you have spiritual strength to come in front of people and give them to their faces a direct, um, not argument, but a direct challenge to what the conventional wisdom is and that is not easy to do we can do that very easily with friendly audiences and to each other it is not hard to preach to the choir but to stand there and in the face of unified opposition which the city council was to basically give them what for, looking them directly in the eyes. And same with uh, Nigel uh, Farage, same thing. The ability to say, and you have that ability, to tell the truth to people and say it strongly. And then that is what makes you effective as well.
1: Well, thank you. I don't put myself in the But uh, let's talk about what's going on in the news. This business of white rural rage And Christian Nationalists. Now, this time Christian Nationalists, there's some political reporter dame that got all wrapped up in this, and she was defiant, she's backtracked, she was on somebody's news show and went off on Christian Nationalists and all that. But now we're seeing this more and more, this business of, what is a Christian Nationalist?
6: as i as i had mentioned to you on uh the uh, direct motion that i sent you what i felt we should talk about the direct message was the left has settled on its villains they are running this is the campaign 2024 on um, the quote-unquote threat to democracy it's the white rural voters it's the christian nationalists and as joe biden just said the neanderthals who don't believe in climate change the climate change deniers so that is the, the similar to the basket of deplorables that hillary clinton came up with racist sexist homophobic xenophobic islamophobic they are irredeemable is what she said in 2016 and similarly there's a book called white rural rage that is making the rounds and the author of the two authors, Tom Schaller and Paul Waldman, went on MSNBC, and it sounds just like Hillary Clinton. We lay out the fourfold interconnected threat that white rural voters pose to the the, the country. They are the most racist, the xenophobic, anti-immigrant, anti-gay geodemographic group in the country. They are election deniers, COVID deniers, scientific. Skepticism, skeptics and they believe in Obama birtherism. And so it's a similar litany of. <laughs> you know, the thing that's interesting about. About these guys who went on m s n b c to talk about uh white rural rage, is you can tell by talking that listening to them that they have never visited anywhere in the country because they're describing their caricature of you know what a Neanderthal looks like. they've never been in a small town and seen how people actually react or their thoughts. They've never actually interviewed someone from rural America. And so I think that that um, poll that you brought started the show with this morning, that New York Times poll, it, you know, is has them in a panic, but it also shows they're incorrect. This is not a white demographic. This is a working class demographic anti-Biden sentiment that is hardening across Every racial group. And so the left needs to run on something. So they decided to make it a racial thing. But the working class in general is hardening. And I remember, I don't know if you do, how it felt during the Carter years at the end. You could feel the country making the decision decision about Jimmy Carter. At the end, they, we were, like, done with him. The country was done with him. You could tell he was, you know, there was no way he was going to be reelected. And I have that feeling, starting just in the last couple of weeks, about Biden. At this anti-Biden sentiment, we have made a decision as a country. The citizens have made the decision of the country. The newcomers, as the um, administration wants to call illegal immigrants. Oh, immigrant, goodness. They they may not uh, be on that page, and they're probably not. But the citizens of America have made made a decision that Joe Biden is done for politically, and we're we're turning the page. And that is why they have come up with villains, because the the Democrats want to scare the crap out of people, and that was the thing you mentioned. And they don't have anything positive to run on, and so they are running against villains who are of their own imagination, they are making these people up so that it's not going to be effective because there's no truth in it. And so that, to me, is I'm, you know, go for it, you guys, on the Democrat side. Try this. It is not going to work because what, as you said, what is scaring people is what they're living through right now and what's happening right. Right in, at the border, and it's happening in in the Northeast, all of the people. I was reading stories about Boston area. The wealthiest area, one of the wealthiest suburbs, is getting busloads, and they are getting a shelter built, and they are just up in arms. Boston, I read airport. that story. Yes. So, so this is this is not going to just affect the Neanderthals as they see us. This is affecting the entire country. That this this border problem is devastating to America and the American citizens are going to vote the guy out. Who's done it.
1: Now the backstory on that, to me, the backstory on what's happening up in Massachusetts is this, the governor there, closed down one of the recreational centers in Roxbury, yes. which is a predominantly black town, and they, yes. they just cut these people out. They just said, screw your kids, you screw everything. We're going to take over this this rec- the, the, your recreation center, and we're turning it over to illegal immigrants. Well, there was a backlash against it, and people started saying, why are you only putting these things in black neighborhoods? And and minority neighborhoods. So the, the governor there, I guess, felt the pressure and said, oh, we're going to have to put one of these uh, shelters up in a wealthy neighborhood. Well, the wealthy people ain't having it. They're ticked <laughs> off just like the black. Everybody's ticked off. This goes to exactly what you were saying. This is spread across every single demographic line. It is spread across racial lines. This problem with immigration runs through. It runs through Democrats now who are fed up with it. Republicans yep. are fed up with it. In Denver, they are chopping off some of their city workforce. They're lowering them down to zero hours so oh, that I they can that. divert the money to illegal immigrants. Do you think that's playing well in in yeah. Denver? <laughs>
6: exactly plus people are seeing as you had described in an earlier story the red carpet being rolled out with all kinds of bennies and you know getting apartments free food free all of their life expenses health expenses and the american people are left with nothing and you know all we want the citizenry wants is a level playing field that equal justice under the law which was our birthright and rather than devaluing the precious nature of American citizenship, because it has no value to the left. In fact, they hate the the fact that we were American exceptionalism, which, as I always say, is because in God we trust is the basis for American exceptionalism. And they despise that, which is why their enemies are, are the the vast majority of the country and especially Christians.
1: We have touched on this other uh, issue before, and I just want to hear what, what, what it is that now brought it back up. Liberals panicking that their young sons are turning conservative. What's that all about, Princess Di? Yes,
6: you know I have been enjoying this sort of demographic trend of what young men and boys are deciding in their lives. And I love that old phrase, boys will be boys. You are not going to be able to control boys who grow up with that inner strength. And what prompted it for me to mention it is there was a just a, a a column in New York magazine by a columnist and the title is Can Parents Prevent Their Sons from Sliding to the Right? And she <laughs> has she has two sons, ten and thirteen and she is basically considering it. She says it's like having a flesh and blood oppressor in training, eating your spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> and she says it
3: feels like
6: a waking nightmare. And she can't believe it because they are not, you know, they don't like the fact that she is always scolding them about oppression and whatever, and they're rolling their eyes. They're not, not interested. And so she is just figuring, and she is finding this to be true in a lot of liberal households, that their young sons are not going with the program. And, of course, this is the form rebellion takes now, because if you're going to be rebellious, as teenagers tend to be, you're going to be rebellion against, rebelling against the liberal mindset. And so I find this so refreshing, and it's Generation Z, the Zoomers. They did a survey uh, a few months ago of 12th graders, and uh, the boys were twice as likely to identify as conservatives as opposed to liberals. Now, girls are going the other way. Girls are becoming more liberal. But ultimately, where the boys are is where the girls are going to follow. So this I is. I love a- that interesting uh, trend to watch and I find it refreshing I also love the fact that the liberal parents are really beside themselves about
1: it I love the reaction that they get remember a few weeks ago that story where one of these schools put tampon <laughs> a tampon thing in the in the boys' bathroom. The thing didn't last ten minutes. Boys came in there, <laughs> ripped it out, threw the daggone one thing away, and the administrators of the school were just beside themselves. How dare these young villains <laughs> The boys are not having this stuff. They're like we're boys. Stop yeah, trying to people. indoctrinate us. Well, yeah.
6: interestingly enough, NPR blamed this trend uh, on young boys on Trump's overt hyper masculinity. And so, <laughs> that, that's, you know, they let them, you know, come up with their explanations all they want. I, I really have been enjoying the less attempt to explain the world to themselves because it's not connected to reality and none of it is going to work.
1: Wow. Uh, as always Princess Di what a pleasure to catch up with you thank you for being with us and we look forward to hearing from you next week Princess Di
6: thank you Sir James
1: right back ladies and gentlemen your phone call is coming up we also okay I tell you what let's do this right now get the right song ready Tom there we go that's it it's your chance right now this very moment to win tickets to see Tommy James and the Shondells. They're going to be with the Box Tops on Saturday, April 20th at the St. George Theater. A pair of tickets could be yours if you are caller 7 right now. 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. Call now for your chance to see Tommy James and the Shondells with the Box Tops on April 26th at the St. George Theater. And if you don't win, go to the St. George Theater website and pick up a pair of tickets. You're going to want to be at this concert.
0: nerdly on 77 WABC
1: what is this this is Frank Sinatra how does Frank how does Frank equal Stevie that's right, leave it (laughs) (laughs) WABC talk radio 77 it's all good let's head back to telephones we've got people that have been waiting uh let's go with brian in staten island brian how are you
7: good morning glad to be here um hey i i just uh thought i'd mention that um a lot of people don't realize with illegal aliens i had some guys working for me and they were always broke and i they work full-time jobs and then they work with me on the weekend so I said, well, "Why are you always broke?" They said, "We got to pay back the money." And I said, well, "What money?" And they, they were telling me that each of them paid between fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars to get here mm-hmm. to the U.S. And I don't think most yeah. people realize that. And now they I have to... To
1: Mm-hmm. "What did you say?"
7: On that, so they had to pay back nineteen thousand dollars each.
1: Good grief. That's the cost of getting in if you're dealing with some of the coyotes. And then dig this. A lot of them, once they're here, also have to send remittances back home because they've still got families back home. So it's, I'm not, look, no one is saying that the life of an illegal immigrant is easy. And it's tough. And people make a decision to come understand that. The, the, what we're saying as American citizens is follow the rules. And also, what we are, should be saying is it is time for a real comprehensive, reform of our immigration system. Stop keeping people out that should be allowed to come, but go back to the standards. Remember when Donald Trump was in office, he put standards in place. If you are going to come here and you are going to live on the government, live on the taxpayers, no, you're not getting in. If you come here and you have the ability because of your work history, because of merit to actually earn a living, merit then, yes, you'll be considered. That's the way we used to do immigration in this country. You used to have sponsors. you used to have to make declarations that you were not going to live on the taxpayers. And if you immigrate to any other country, you try to go up to Canada, for instance, try to get in there. They're not going to let you take work that they think could be done by another Canadian. They're not going to let you live off the government. It doesn't work like that. Try immigrating to Mexico. You can't do it. Unless if you're going to do this legally, you have to be able to take care of yourself. Thank you. Appreciate it. David in Irvington, you're up next.
7: Hey, Bo. How you doing? Good,
1: thank you. How are you?
7: All right. Just um, I miss Derek today because um, I always enjoy him. And just a, a quick shout-out to Rush. Rush helped keep my mother and I, I hope that's proper English, closer than we would have been if we weren't able to listen to rush together
1: wow thank you
7: no he really did um and the reason i listen to your show is because of your connection with rush and the reason i keep listening is because i love your show thank you. i was calling i was calling originally because of the the joke um the toe sucking thing and originally yeah, it's not a I joke no, Yeah. originally I thought um, I misheard, and I thought it was a Joe Biden ice cream licking thing, which mm. I thought, oh, that's wonderful, they're allowing this. But then I uh, realized it was a toe-sucking thing, and uh,
1: it was confusing. Yeah, and toe-sucking has a long history in the United States. We can go back to stories about the Arkansas toe-sucker. Tom, you're too young to remember that. I'll have to dredge those stories out of the archives one day. Um, And, yes, there's a very famous political that was involved in toe-sucking as well. So, yes, toe-sucking has its place in American politics. But this was at a high school. And uh, the high school, it was a challenge for high schoolers to lick and suck each other's toes. Uh, Yes, in High school. This is what is happening in America. Thank you, David, for those very nice words. So appreciated. Doreen in Long Island, you are up next.
5: Good morning, James.
8: <clears throat> I think I know why. I heard it somewhere. I read it a while ago about the farmers needed their children on the farms to work the farms. And so they either had to walk to school early, so they changed the times to so that it was lighter so they didn't have to go in the dark, or it was so that they could work the farms and then get to school. It was something
6: about that.
1: Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, the time has long since passed. Why we are continuing this insane uh, 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 the changing of the clocks, almost no one knows anymore. It's just ingrained. But every year they tell us, oh, it's going to be reformed, and every year it stays the same. Uh, Doreen, thank you so much. we got to take a break when we get back. America's Small Caffeinated Mom. Rhonda Schrock will join us on, ah, here we are, Steve, on WABC. Again, 1974, Stevie won four Grammy Awards for the Intervisions album. This was arguably the biggest hit on that album. Superstition was big, too, but this one. One of his biggest ever. On WABC, Talk Radio 77. Keep it here.
3: saturday morning radio
0: extravaganza
6: james welcome aboard nice to see you again sir now no.
0: here's james golden aka bo snerdly on 77
1: wabc birthday today lou reed musician singer songwriter velvet underground and also of course his own solo career I walk on the wild side, 1973, went to number one, remembering Lou Reed on his birthday today on WABC. Time, ladies and gentlemen, for America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. How are you, Rhonda? Good morning, James. It's always nice to hear
8: your voice in my ear. It's a highlight of my week.
1: Well, thank you. (laughs) So, Rhonda, what is on your mind this morning?
8: Yes. Well, I'm speaking to parents today. Um, I've been a mother for 34 years. And if there was ever a job that I wanted to be perfect at, James, it it is mothering. Uh, That one has the highest stakes, the greatest risks, the greatest rewards, and it's investment in my future, right? Our future. And I wanted so much to be a perfect parent. Well, of course, that wasn't possible. And I I quickly found that My four shrocklets did not come with instruction manuals or we didn't have YouTube tutorials, you know, how to raise boys, how to, how to be a great parent. So much of what we learned, we just learned on the fly through sheer experience and by making mistakes. And this week I was, I was reflecting on one of the mistakes that I made. I'm not going to speak for my husband, but this one, this one was mine. And that was, I would do what I call carrying pillows. Um, In other words, I would try so hard to manage and control their consequences, their choices. I didn't want them to make bad choices that would have bad consequences that would hurt them. So I would rush around with my little maternal pillows and slip them underneath their buns, you know, to cushion their falls. Well, that wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful at all. Uh, For instance, I could give many, many examples, but one of them was... um, I would wake them up in the morning for school. Well, if they or if they slept through an alarm, I would be the backup. If they didn't come at first call, I would give a second, third, fourth call. And meanwhile, every time my blood pressure's going up, right, flirting with the red zone, and they're still sleeping in, because they know at some point I will get them up. Well, that, that was not helpful. And down the road that caused some consequences, but when I started tweaking to what I was doing, one day I thought, okay, I've got to let them start learning from real life consequences, and I let the two youngest just sleep in I, I, my nerves were screaming, but when they got up, uh they had a quick breakfast, and I had two letters ready, and they walked into their respective schools with letters that read, "Dear principal, this young scholar has no good reason for being tardy. Would you please <coughs> call him into the yes, I did. would you please call him <coughs> into the office <laughs> and have a chat with him?" And they did. So I started le- <laughs> I started leveraging uh, other adults in their lives. And so it wasn't quite so attractive to sleep in and ignore the alarm or mother's voice after that. Well, anyway, I've got a lot more clarity now than I did. And as the boys grew older, and our older son in particular really began making bad choices, I started to see that um, any control... I thought we had was pretty much an illusion. I also started seeing, what exploring what was behind or underneath my need for control, and I saw that it was fear. It was fear-based control, and I also started noticing, paying attention to what that control was doing to the boys, to my own inner peace, and to our relationships. I, I saw, James, that control, that overreaching control was strangling Our relationships, it was strangling the flow of love and connection. It was my invitation to examine my own fears, which were mine to own, and they weren't the boys' fears to own. They were mine. And as I began to deal with my own fears and relax and release them, our relationships began to improve because then they could relax. And frankly, what it required for this mother, I had to trust God with those boys of mine. And I had to take my hands off and stop trying to control and manage everything. When we spare our children from natural consequences, we will produce weak, immature, and needy adults who are not equipped to go out into the real world and manage life. Uh, there's, there's two ditches with everything there's two ditches that you have the authoritarian model of parenting where, you know, children have no voice and it's all control and punitive, punitive is the word. And you have the very permissive model where there are no rules, no guidelines, it's all love and the children are basically the de facto rulers of the home. Well that's that causes a big problem because when they go out into the world, the whole world doesn't realize that they're that they're on a pedestal. There are no pedestals for the children out in that world. So you don't want them beat down into utter submission where they have no self-esteem, no voice or autonomy, but you don't want them to go with no inner resilience. And if we let them go through hard things, we let them suffer the results of their choices, they will be stronger, they will have that inner um, resilience, maturity, strength to navigate adulthood successfully. our children, we are beginning now to see the fruits as we changed, as we began to realize those parenting mistakes, mistakes, James, we just humbled ourselves and we went to them and we said, you know what, we got this wrong. Please forgive us. This is what we're learning now. And so we took them along really in a way on our own parenting journey. We took them along and we would teach them what we were learning and by grace, we started to practice a better way. And of course it was imperfect, but we just kept practicing. Okay, we're slipping back into the old way of doing things. Nope, we're gonna we're gonna just get up and practice again. And now we have four boys, four sons in four different states. One of them still lives at home, but the others they all are adult sons. Call home. They want to know what mom and dad think. They want to seek wisdom from us. They love coming home and spending time with us and with each other. And so the fruit, as we began to make those changes, the fruit of that has been so sweet and so rich. It's just been a blessing. And I want to encourage other parents, if you see that you've fallen into one of these ditches, don't despair. Own your own upset own your own junk work through it Mm. take care of it and it will allow your children to relax because your inner peace is your job your self-control is your job it is on our children to regulate us and we can never ask them to be or do things that we are not willing to be or do ourselves it is on us to lead the way and I appreciate so much the parents in our lives that we could watch and, and learn from and see how they did it, even some through their mistakes, but that was so helpful. So what a privilege now to be parents with some experience behind us, and we can be that encouragement. I was in the doctor's office the other day, and I heard a young mother with three little children behind me, and she was reading books. She was answering questions. They were all over her. I mean, she was just lovely in the way she dealt with them and as she was packing them up strapping the baby in the car seat i just said to her you have such a lovely way of dealing with your children and she stopped she was surprised in the middle of that crush with all those toddlers and she just said thank you Love it. so it's a privilege to encourage those who are coming behind us so stop love carrying it, love
1: pillows. It, love it. <laughs> it'll help your stop kids carrying pillows Yes. And did your kids yes. ever do any uh, toe-licking and toe-sucking with their fellow oh, students? Oh, my
8: Lord. Are you kidding? They clubbed each other if they borrowed each other's socks.
1: Oh, okay.
8: <laughs> oh, my <laughs> goodness. No, there were wars if you wore somebody else's socks or shirt. So there, there's not a chance.
6: <laughs> They're bo-
8: Rhonda, they are real can, boys.
1: <laughs> where can people find your essay today, Rhonda?
8: Yes, if you want to read the whole piece, it's called For Mature, Healthy Kids, Stop Carrying Pillows. It's on the dailybs.com
1: And where can people find you?
8: RhondaSchrock.com. I'd love to have you visit.
1: Thank you so much, Rhonda. Appreciate you. Love yes. you, my darling. Thank you. Appreciate love it. you, too. Mm-hmm. James Golden, a.k.a. Stoney with Time, ladies and gentlemen.
0: James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, presents Rapid
1: Phones. Let us go to New Jersey and speak with Andrew. Andrew, you're on WABC. How are you this morning?
4: Pretty good. <clears throat> yeah, there is uh, different perspectives, a black perspective. An immigrant, like my wife, has a different perspective. And I was just wondering why Oprah wasn't offensive, because she would change her accent. She would speak with the British accent. Oh, yes, the uh, ramifications of a delayed mammogram test can exponentially cause greater harm, making you more vulnerable. And then she would switch and go, girl, you better go get your mammogram. And I was like, H- how could people not be offended? How of condescending
1: because she bilingual
4: bro What's what that
1: Cuz she bilingual well, What yeah what the problem is man <laughs> What the problem is yo What the problem is yo That's why did I leave you Why the you, why, why are you picking Why why are you picking on Oprah? Well you got a problem with Oprah? What did Oprah ever do to you?
4: And she opened a charter school that's good but yet she blocks you know Democrats block Whoa. charter school cool
1: choice Oh, so yeah, we're not going to talk about that charter school because that leads us into some other territory that the kooks know about, and I'm not going to go there. You need to look into that. You need to look about what the kooks think of the charter schools with Oprah. That is another discussion. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Ronnie, you are up next on Rapid Phones. How are you? How you doing, It's A
7: pleasure talking to you. Uh, I just got a couple things. I'm finally glad to see that the back. Population has finally woke up to what's going on and what's been being done to them for over 60 years. They've been taken advantage of, and now they're seeing that the Democrats no longer need them. They want the Spanish and the uh, immigrants instead. And Mm. I think it's finally time that they're seeing what's going on, and I'm glad. And the other thing I got to say is that as far as the borders are concerned, I don't understand why none of the governors or the mayors start deputizing people to protect the borders and making hmm. them legal
4: officers.
1: Hmm. Well, those are two interesting uh, things. I like this last one about the uh, the mayors and the deputies deputizing people. Usually they call those people uh, vigilantes or something like that. Well, anyway, thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Ah, so soon, another Saturday morning. Radio extravaganza is in the can. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we are back Monday at four o'clock for Boston Early's Rush Hour. Thanks to the crew. Everybody. Great work. Thank you. Until then, my friends. Suck those toes. Lick those toes. Bye.